Good morning. I uh, threw you a little curve there. Um, I asked Jason to read from Isaiah 53. I felt it lended itself to the lesson quite well this morning, and I think you'll see why in a minute. Uh, it's a beautiful passage of scripture, Isaiah 53, one of the most wonderful of all scripture, I believe. Speaking of the Messiah, uh, the title of this morning's lesson is Hear the Invitation, and it is taken from Matthew chapter 22 and verses 1 through 14. If you, if you turn there in your Bibles, that's where we're going to be for most of the lesson this morning. The Jewish people took great pride in their heritage, viewing themselves as Abraham's descendants and God's chosen people. They believed that they had obtained their honored position because they were more deserving than others. This, however, was not the case. Rather than choosing the Jews because they were a powerful nation, God had chosen them to be his people because of his great love for them. Thus, their privileged position was God's gift. It was a gift from God. They did not deserve it. Because God had chosen the Jews to be his own special people, he gave them certain advantages over others. Chief among these advantages was their possession of the oracles of God. This refers to the laws given to Moses. This refers to the Hebrew scriptures and to the word of God. Much of the oracles spoke about Christ. They pointed to the coming Messiah. Sadly, however, instead of recognizing Jesus as the Christ described in these oracles, the Jewish leaders rejected him and sought to take his life. The Jews had been invited by God to be his chosen people, yet when God's son came into the world and they were invited to follow him and to accept him, they refused the invitation. Their refusal, which was not unexpected by God, resulted in an extended invitation for all people to follow God's son. Jesus used the parable of the wedding feast to teach this truth to the chief priests and Pharisees. As with all the lessons that Jesus taught, this one speaks to you and me as Christians. This lesson speaks as well to non-Christians, the saved as well as the unsaved. The lesson this morning is divided into four parts. Part one is the invitation. Two is the rejections. Three, an extended invitation. And finally, Four is an unprepared guest. So we will now begin our lesson in Matthew chapter 22 and verses 1 through 4, the invitation. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. Jesus' parable revolved around an event that his audience would have been familiar with. 
a wedding. Weddings in the first century were commonly celebrated with feasts that would last several days. Because this wedding mentioned in the parable is that of the king's son, the event most likely would have resulted in a national celebration. Receiving an invitation to such a feast would have been a great honor, and those who were fortunate enough to be invited were expected to attend. Those who were invited had more than enough time to make plans to attend and were to await the call of the host who would say, all things are ready, come to the wedding. Shockingly, those who were called to the wedding were not willing to come. This would have been viewed as an insult under normal conditions. But the refusal of the king's invitation to the wedding was unthinkable, a terrible and dangerous affront to the monarch. Rather than taking offense at the refusal from those invited, the king not only graciously repeats his invitation, but describes the feast's greatness in order to provide an incentive to attend it. He instructs his servants to tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. The king's continued efforts to persuade those who were originally invited to the wedding represent God's efforts to persuade the Jewish people to accept Jesus, who is represented as the son in the parable. Not only did God inform the Jewish people about the coming Messiah through both the preaching of the prophets and the written word, but also he provided opportunities when the apostles preached exclusively to them at the beginning of the Christian age. Despite God's efforts, many of the Jews persisted in the rejection of Jesus. Does this sound familiar to you? How many times... Have you tried to reach a loved one or a dear friend with the gospel only to find your words falling on deaf ears, only to see that glazed look in their eye as if to say, oh no, here we go again. Part two, the rejections, Matthew 22, verses five through eight. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. The guests initially called to the wedding feast paid no attention to the invitation. Instead, some continued with their various business interests as if no invitation had been offered. These people were too occupied with their own self-interest to attend the wedding feast. How busy will they be on the day of judgment? How busy when they are asked to give an account? Others, however, seized the servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. Commenting on this behavior, Brother J.W. McGarvey says, to seize the servants who had brought the kind invitation 
and to mistreat them and slay them was an act of the most malignant hostility, justifying, according to the customary practice of kings, the most fearful retribution. And so it's no wonder that the king retaliated and destroyed those who had acted so wickedly. Just as the parable foretold the extension of God's invitation to the Gentiles, it seems to predict, predict the uh, destruction of Jerusalem that would occur in 70 AD. This event, which also included the destruction of the temple, served as the ultimate example of God's rejection of the Jews. There is a difference between those in the parable who simply rejected the invitation and those who murdered the innocent servants. Nevertheless, both groups wrongly refused the king's invitation. All were regarded as unworthy. We must be very careful to avoid imitating or even justifying the behavior of the first group. Although we must certainly take care of the physical matters of this life, we must not do so to the exclusion of the spiritual matters. Today, many businesses are open on Sunday. Many athletic events take place on Sunday. Many of these corporations and organizations have rejected God by placing their worldly interests above the spiritual interests of their employees and their athletes. William Barclay wrote the following. It is very easy for a man to be so busy with the things of time that he forgets the things of eternity. To be so preoccupied with the things which are seen that he forgets the things which are unseen. To hear so insistently the claims of the world that he cannot hear the soft invitation of the voice of Christ. Eternity must be in the forefront of our minds. Part three, an extended invitation, Matthew 22, verses 9 and 10. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Having been rejected by those who were initially invited, the king instructs his servants to invite anyone who could be found. Obedient to the master's demands, the servants extend his gracious invitation in discriminate way, indiscriminate way, to those described as both bad and good. This effort resulted in a wedding hall that was filled with guests. The efforts of the king to honor his son were not hindered by those who refused the invitation any more than the Jews who rejected Jesus hindered the efforts of God. There were people who gladly accepted the invitation to come to the wedding feast, just as there will be people who will gladly accept God's invitation to follow his son. As we extend the invitation of Jesus to our communities and throughout the world, let us not offer it only to those that we feel are worthy. Because the gospel has the power to change lives. It must be preached to those 
who live morally good lives and to those who are living wickedly. After all, the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek or for the Gentile, Romans 1.16. Just as the king's invitation was issued to all people, we must preach the gospel to all mankind. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19. Our Lord reminds us in Matthew 5:45 that our Father in heaven makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. Part four, an unprepared guest, Matthew 22, 11 through 14. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. After the banquet had begun, the king entered, and he saw a guest who was not wearing a wedding garment. Whether the king had offered appropriate apparel for the occasion is beside the point, as this guest's lack of response proves his guilt. Brother Burton Kaufman observed, the man himself was speechless. It was totally his fault, and he could not think of any word to utter in defense of what he had done. Regardless of their circumstances, those who attended the feast were required to be, ad be adorned appropriately. And so this man was removed from the joyous feast, bound and cast into outer darkness, the fate of this unprepared man illustrates the punishment of those not ready to meet God. The reference to weeping and gnashing of teeth brings to mind the suffering associated with eternal hell. The passage ends with the following explanation. For many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus' words remind us that although all people are invited to sit at the king's banquet table, the invitation must be accepted in the appropriate way. It is not enough for a person to realize he or she has been called to the feast. Those who are called by God through the gospel must respond to that call with faithful obedience. And our lives must be lived in accordance with God's will. The man who came to the feast without the proper garment was like those who petitioned Jesus as Lord without first doing his will. An example of this is found in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, where our Lord says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, 
I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The chosen ones are those who come to the banquet and abide by the terms set by the host. As we read in Hebrews chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9 concerning obedience. Hebrews 5, 8 and 9 concerning obedience. Though he, being Jesus, was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So, how do you become part of the joyous wedding feast? How do you become a member in the kingdom of heaven? In other words, how do you become a Christian? By responding in an obedient way to God's invitation. By obeying his invitation and not rejecting it. Not refusing it. To believe that Jesus is the Christ who died for your sins. To repent and turn from those sins. To confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then to be baptized. But it's not just any baptism. You must be immersed for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't end there. After you're baptized, you have to live a faithful life to God. Follow his will. Follow his word. There's, it just doesn't end when you come up to, out of the baptistry. It continues on and on as long as he allows you to be here and serve him. So if you're ready and willing to do that this morning, we are ready to assist you in being baptized. We are ready and willing to do that with you and for you. If you've accepted this invitation previously, but you find yourself this morning here at odds with the will of God, and you need the support and the encouragement of your brothers and sisters in Christ in Annapolis, then we're here for you for that. We're here to support one another and to pray for one another. That's why we are here. That's why we're family, because of our great love for one another. Whatever your need is this morning, won't you let us know what your need is as together we stand and sing a hymn of invitation that Mike will